Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and here is the second installment of The Three Witches Talking About the Sun. Today we're going to speak about the spring equinox. I have with me Susan Demeter and Kiki Dombrowski. You all remember them from when we talked about the winter solstice. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello. Great to be back. Yes. Yes. I'm really excited. So, spring. Is it springing where you are? (laughs) That's a funny question. As we're recording, we have what um, I guess the weather people are calling a bomb cyclone winter storm. (laughs) Yikes. It's actually, so I'm in Connecticut. I'm recording um, from Connecticut where my family is. And um, it's a stereotypical New England spring day. Um, (laughs) So it's snowing and the wind is whipping outside and it's the, the temperature is dropping. It's getting really, really cold. But there's also robins outside at the bird feeders. So, and there's, the bulbs are starting to sprout. So even while it's a little bit too cold for me, very cold for me, um, there's still these little signs that springtime is around the corner and hopefully the snow will melt in a couple days and the the, uh, temperature will rise again. It probably will. How about you, Susan? Oh, it's, um, it's lovely here. It's springtime in, in North Italy. Um, it's, uh, we don't really get the, the snow that, you know, I was experiencing certainly in Canada or in, you know, Northeastern United States. Uh, we do get some snow and there's still some snow on the higher elevations. I live on a mountain. And uh, on the higher elevations, you can still see some snow, which is very pretty. But here, it's lovely. It's about 10 degrees centigrade. So it's, it's rather nice, warm, springy type weather. Sunshiny for the most part. Uh, the little crocuses are, have peeked through and other wildflowers that grow along the sides of the mountains. And it's really starting to feel like spring. You know, I wake up with the birds singing every morning. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, little birds, you sound so sweet singing, but, you know, can't you be quiet for another hour or two? <laughs> but I mean, it's really, really got that spring sort of, the spring is starting to really spring here, which is, is, is nice, um, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm in Ohio and yesterday it was 62 degrees and sunny. And the crocuses were coming up and blooming. The purple ones were up and I had the miniature daffodils had already started to bloom. They're always the first daffodils to bloom. Sometimes they even bloom in February and it was beautiful. The birds have been singing. Robins have come back. Black vultures have, have come back. Um, You know, I've been watching my younger child and I saw two eagles doing a mating flight. Uh, You know, I've been watching the crows build nests, wrens build nests. And then last night it started to snow and it's part of the same storm system that got Kiki. Um, It got us last night and I woke up to eight inches of snow, which is remarkable for this area of Ohio. We're not in the, 
the uh, snow belt. We're not in the, the lake effect area. We're down in the southeastern part. So it's kind of remarkable to have that much snow, but also it's remarkable to have had it be in the 60s yesterday and then eight inches of snow today. So it's Ohio. If you don't like the weather, just, you know, hang around a little bit and it'll change probably drastically. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Southern Ontario too. Um, when I was living back in Toronto, we would have, you know, you, you could have nice, uh, all, like really almost spring, like, you know, 10, 15 degrees centigrade. Um, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Sorry, Americans, but um uh and and then the next day it's like freezing and it's it's snow and and you're like yeah. oh my god no why <laughs> so yeah but, um, yeah it's like why did i do this to myself why am i living where you know the air hurts my face why <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i haven't gone outside in it yet so i'm i'm staying inside today as far as i can tell i don't think there's any reason for me to go out well, let's talk about the spring equinox or equinox. Both are correct. Um, what sort of feeling does that give you as the sun continues to lengthen the days and warm the air and warm the ground? Well, for me, I think it's that wonderful time where we're kind of... Um we're in, we're in perfect balance, right? So mm -hmm. we're starting to leave behind the darkness at this point. And we're in balance with the light and then the promise of moving towards the light. So also the change in the, um, the astrological signs. So with Pisces being the end of the Zodiac, you're moving away from that and you're moving towards the, towards Aries. So that, which is a much more, um, you know, it's a, it's a sign of, of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fiery. It's the beginning of new things. It's the beginning of the Zodiac. And so you're, you're leaving behind that sort of dark mystical Pisces and moving into the, into the fiery Ram. So it's, uh, it's that wonderful time. And then, um, for me, it's very special as well. I, I view it as, as, um, the new beginning and, and, and the mythos with my name which in case anyone's wondering, because I, I always get this, is that really your name or did you just take the name of a goddess because you're a witch? And <laughs> No, it really is my name. I was, it's my actual name is Demeter. And I had my first daughter on the first day of spring, March 20th, her birthday. So it's very special to me. And of course, that whole mythos of um, Demeter and Persephone being, um, going into the coming back from the underworld and that whole story and myth of Demeter is it was not lost to me when she was born. And I talk about that a bit in my book, Cosmic Witch. So it's a very special time for me. I, I love the spring. I'm, I'm, I like the cozy dark period. I do. And the, and the shadow work that can be done and in, in the winter, but I'm, I'm ready for, for the, for letting in the light now. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm really looking forward to it. Yay, spring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that your name is Demeter. I I, I love that uh, myth as well. And, and I, I feel that very strongly. Um, 
and yes, and I did assume. Season, yeah. I did assume that you had just taken that name, but then I saw it was your real name, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it is. It's 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 an energy unto itself having mm-hmm. having a name, and and yes, but people do assume it. It's it's a pseudonym, but no, it is my actual name. <laughs> it's a perfect name. Well done. All right, Kiki, it's it's your turn. My what, turn. What are you feeling? Uh, you know, uh, it, a lot of what Susan talked about, I, I, I'm feeling as well. For me, um, I love that idea of talking about the, uh, the, the, the astrological signs. Geez, I didn't even think about it that way be- before. And Aries is that fire sign too. So it is this return to warm. Um, I think for us, at least, uh, I think that the clocks are, are, are going forward too mm-hmm, tonight. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. are, we have this like, return of the light the warmth is coming back in um you know this highlighting of opportunity is what i feel so it's a time of new beginnings for me when i think of the spring equinox i think of new beginnings new opportunities so i start to feel all this hope um Maybe there are new goals that I want to start seeing. Um, I guess that when there's more light and there's more warmth, I, I feel like my body shifts a little bit where I, you know, move into a place where I want to get out more. I want to do more. Um, I'm not gardening where I'm moving, but, um, you know, historically it would always be a time where I would start plotting out my garden. Um, but I guess too, you don't have to have a physical garden. You could also think around this time of year, what your metaphorical garden (laughs) wants to look like. What is it that you want to plant in your life? What are those seeds that you want to sprout? What are the things that you want growing? What do you, where do you want to see abundance? So those are some of the the things I start to ponder, um, you know, at the spring equinox, but I definitely, I think hope is the feeling I get. And I also have those birds singing very early in the morning to me too. <laughs> where I just like, why are you up so early? Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it feels so good to hear those sounds of life return into the world after, you know, the cold and um, yeah. It's, Absolutely. It's the time of the year. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I really like your idea of the metaphorical garden um, because not everybody has the ability to, you know, put seeds in the earth and and sprout them and watch something grow. Um, Although I'm a great proponent of balcony gardens and window gardens. Also, Um, also gorilla gardening. And I've done, and I've done this before in Canada and I've done it here in Italy uh, with my husband where we have literally bought seeds and gone out to places and just planted flowers, whatever. Um, Gorilla gardening is something that you can do uh, if you, you find a, 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 just a space of, of, of land where you think you might be able to cultivate something, take out your seeds and do it. And, and, you know, just beautify your neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. find a little plot of land that's, that's neglected and, you know, spruce it up a little bit. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. 
I'm, mm. and, I, and I've done it. And because primarily too, when I lived in Toronto, I just, I didn't have a space. I didn't even have a, um, a balcony that I could grow things. I just, I had a, a, a small two bedroom apartment in the middle of the city. Um, but I, I found ways to get out and, and plant <laughs> and, and yeah. the least expected spaces, you know, even if it's a parking lot somewhere in a back lot somewhere, if you can plant something, just, you know, why not? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's a couple of companies that make what they call seed bombs mm-hmm. that are balls of clay that have flower seeds embedded in it. So, you know, you, you basically take clay, dampen it until it's pliable, stick seeds in it, make a ball, let it dry out, and then you can do drive-by seed bombings. Mm-hmm in uh, abandoned lots and, and places like that. And you always use, they always use uh, either native seeds or seeds of annuals that quickly sprout that, you know, as, as one would say about them, they're bomb proof. You can't fail with, you know, cosmos or sunflowers. They're very hardy. Yeah. And will sprout under, you know, just crap conditions like falling in a crack in a sidewalk they'll sprout Mm. yeah and i like the idea of seed bombs definitely especially with with native flowers or even flowers that would invite pollinators so something Mm -hmm. that would be um welcoming to bees and butterflies Um, Yeah. yeah yeah and there's always community gardening too um yeah there's, I mean, here in Athens, we've got, I think, five or six in Athens County of community gardens. And then we also have school gardens. Um, there's all kinds of gardeners here in, in this section of, of Ohio. So, you know, we have uh, public gardens where people, you know, come together and plant flowers on the medians and stuff like that. But we also have community gardens that grow food. Uh, and we have people planting fruit trees in umpteen different places in town and uh, people mapping where there have, are older fruit trees that have been forgotten. Like, you know, they had been planted years and years ago and the land was sold. And uh, in one case, uh, an office park was put in. So there are these doctor's offices and along the back edge of the building, there's all of these older apple trees. So somebody is, is making a map of the forgotten fruit plants, fruit trees in the town. So people can go and harvest in the, in the fall, which I think is, is really amazing. That's wonderful. Uh, Yeah. 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 And I consider that a kind of guerrilla gardening. Because you're noticing you're noticing things that are needed. Um, in my case, I like to plant um, milkweed all over the place. For one thing, it's easy to do. Um, and for another thing, monarch butterflies use that as food in their larval stage. And then the flowers are used as food from, you know, for bees and butterflies and moths. Well, that's um, right. Yeah. And they're really pretty too. Mm-hmm. They're the they're these big mauve colored flowers. And uh, so, in my case, uh, as far as what I like about the equinox, I love hearing the birds sing, and I do 
not mine too much that they wake me up. Um, but every now and then I'm, I'm kind of like guys, <laughs> really? Can we not? Do we have to? But usually I'm awakened by my cats or dogs earlier than that. So I'm, I'm not too bad about it. Um, I do like planning gardens. Um, but this year, right now, I'm actually working on editing for a friend, editing a huge manuscript of a huge book that is going to be very, very cool. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of helping birth a book. I feel like a, a, a midwife a little bit. And it's happening to coincide. The work that I'm doing is happening to coincide with the growing of light. So it's, it started a little bit after the winter solstice and now it's moving into the uh, spring equinox. And once we're past the equinox, my part of it will probably be done and it is going to go then back to the author and then the artist and it's all going to get put together. And I think that it's probably going to come out around the autumn equinox. So that's really exciting to me. And that is so very spring. Um, Yeah. It is so spring because again, what happens in the spring seeds sprout, uh, flowers bloom the birds make nests and lay eggs and then the eggs hatch we have in athens county we have lots of baby goats being born on -hmm. facebook all of my farmer friends have pictures of their goats or calves (laughs) Um, we have we have baby chickens you know baby ducks all over the place and so in a way i feel like i'm helping birth not an animal or a plant, I'm helping birth an idea. And yeah. and I think that's, that's as a metaphorical garden is a good one. And I didn't even plant it. I'm just kind of like a gardener tending it and helping it along. It's a community garden. Mm-hmm. It is. It very much is. And, and the ideas that are being planted in this are really, really excellent. And uh, I look forward to being able to talk way more about it. I look forward to it, too. Once it's closer. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I'm very curious now what this project is. It sounds wonderful. You you both will like it. I think Susan knows what it I, is. I, I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'm allowed to tell now. Um, it's, it's Josh Cutchen's newest book. Oh, and it wow. is a massive tome that's actually being split into two books so that, you know, you don't have this dictionary sized thing that you're holding in your hands trying to read. And I also pointed out that binding a book that big is going to be expensive. So you don't want to do that. Um, so it is his new book and I'm very excited to be part of it. And mm-hmm. That's basically what I was doing this morning before uh, we started recording as I was working on some of the later chapters. So wow. it's so exciting. Very cool. I can't wait Something to, to look forward to. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting. I, I love that idea of, of um, spring being connected to what is it that you're growing in your garden, uh, mm-hmm. metaphorically, or what are those things that you that what are those new beginnings? Um, I'm finishing my book right now as well. And I think it will be out around the autumnal, autumnal equinox. Um, and I know we mentioned it uh, at the when we talked in the winter. Um, but I also noticed too, you know, I'm moving into a new apartment. Um, and so personally in my personal life, I see a lot of new beginnings around this time of year. It's just been really nice to see it kind of all sync up. I have lots of new things happening. I got a new job. Um, well, I'm still with the same company. I just got a promotion. I have a new book, uh, that I'm completing or birthing, um, a new apartment, um, that's very special. And I love warm weather too. I just feel so much more comfortable when it's warm outside. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yes. Yes. As I've gotten older, I do prefer warmer weather, but you know, still my favorite seasons are spring and fall because, well, I like those in between phases of, of life, the liminal spaces, but also they are the most temperate, you know, they're not too cold. They're not too hot. They're in the middle. I like that. Um, so that, that's me. I, I, I love those two seasons. Summer has its beautiful moments, but it also has the sweaty, oh my God, the sun is going to kill me moments. I am not a uh, tanning kind of person. I don't tan. So I have to be careful in the sun. And then in the winter, which I used to like, it's too cold. So, it, you know, I like I like spring and I like fall. And they, they both make me happy. Okay. So I'm glad to be moving into spring. I think that it's a wonder for, for people who do a lot of green magic or green witchcraft or just really love being in nature, the opportunity to get back outside and admire all the different wildflowers or like we were saying, the birds um, is such a special thing too. Um, I, I have this real love for going out into the woods and identifying different wildflowers during the spring. I'm not in Tennessee anymore, but Tennessee had such a wonderful array of wildflowers that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to find them and then go find the folklore about the different flowers and going, okay, well, I just found an iris. What is the folklore behind this? Um, It was really a special thing. And I really loved Trillium and Bloodroot was a favorite to see as well. Oh, Um, those are beautiful. Yeah, I don't yeah. have them in Savannah. <laughs> yeah, you have new new flowers to learn. I do. I I haven't been. I, you know, our woods are different. They're flat. They're um, there's a lot of uh, evergreens. So yeah, we. I I do. I have a lot of exploring to do. Um, in in the the, the woods on um this way. I I don't know what to expect. Really, I'm really. It's new. Oh, see, it's a new opportunity. Yeah, it's new. The newness, the newness yeah. of spring. So it'll be yeah. new places to explore. <laughs> well, it's sort of the same thing with me in that I've been living here three years now, um, but it's very different geography. And really getting to know the spirit of place um, has been such a joy. And, 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 
like just childlike because there's so many different flowers and things in the mountains that you just, you know, you don't have in Southern Ontario. Um, so it's just getting to know everything and, and, and seeing the new life. And one of the wonderful things we have here, our hair, um, which are the, you know, the, the larger rabbits that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, are so associated with the folklore as well of this time and Ostara and, and Easter. Um, and so it's, it's really cool seeing them because they're also of course associated with witches. So, um, I love to see our, our hair and, uh, and the squirrels here. So fairy tale like, and, and all the other little beings in the, in the forest. So it's, it, it is a blessing and it, it is, yeah. it is so nice to be able to, yeah, go out because I'm not a winter person per se, <laughs> even though I'm Canadian. Um, so although we don't get the snow in that here that I did there, um, I tend to be more cozy in the winter time. So now's, yeah, it's a really wonderful time to go out and explore again, uh, and do some, do some magic out in, in nature. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I love that you have hairs. Yeah. Um, we have Eastern cottontails here and I love them, but I, I really love the, the, uh, saying Matt is a March hare. Yeah. Um, because they get all wild when it's, when it's mating season and they oh, yeah. dash around and, you know, th there's a reason that hares and rabbits are considered tricksters and, mm -hmm. and, uh, hares more, it, Cottontail, eastern cottontail rabbits here in the United States are fairly calm compared to the European hares. Yeah. So I, I do I do love those too. They're kind of like jackrabbits for people who live out west. They're yeah. a little bit like that. Uh, you know, it's so funny. As we're talking, I'm actually, I Googled European hare because I I, I always knew about hare and, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the mythology, but I guess I never looked at a picture and made the comparison and their sweet ears and just how different they are. They're so sweet yeah. looking, but, but so they're a little bit wilder, I guess. Yeah. The dust <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're so smart too. And yeah. And they, just to see them out in the fields and then they'll look at you and, you know, and they'll do their dashing about, <laughs> like you said, the mad hair. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely associate them, and I and I mean, um, thinking about them in fairy tales as a kid, and then now living with them is is magic in itself too. Having them about, well, it's almost yeah. like a visit, like seeing like the black cat or the the owl having those sort of otherworldly visitors. Yes, yes, Ooh, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, hares are are one of the traditional familiars for witches too. Mm -hmm. um, and of course there's the rabbit in the moon yeah. there's the rabbit that supposedly lives in the moon and um, you know the rabbits and, and hares are messengers back and forth from the spirit world in, in many different traditions not just the European traditions mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that most of our fairy tales come from Europe and they came with with the colonists to the to North America. And okay. so when you talk about actually seeing the hairs that you grew up hearing about, because you kind of 
you know, you, you went back across to, to Europe. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool mm-hmm. because when you're a kid, you get these mind images of mm-hmm. what the fairy tale is talking about. But because we essentially come from a colonial uh, power, both of yeah. us, you know, from Canada or all three of us from Canada and the United States, mm. we aren't attached to the geography and the environment that those stories came from. Yeah. So exactly. in our heads, all of the animals and plants that are in those stories and people, they get translated in our heads. So when you hear about rabbits, I always saw the, the cottontail rabbit. Mm-hmm. They're yep. very mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Um, when you have uh, a dove, I always thought of a morning dove. Well, that's, that's different. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more likely to be the rock dove or the turtle dove, which we don't have. So it's really, really interesting that you've gotten to go back and and go, oh, well, that's what that story was talking about. And you can actually have a new visualization in your in your mind as you think about those folk tales and those stories. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And it's just it's so magical. It's so wonderful to uh, to be immersed in the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, and I definitely I associate them to the spring. Um, so it's nice to see them out and about and doing their mad dashes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're they move around a lot more quickly than than what I'm used to watching a rabbit do here, and they're bigger too. Yeah. They're easier yeah. to see because they're bigger. So um, what kind of uh, magic do you do you like to do? I mean, I consider just going into the woods and looking at the plants and recording what plants are in that part of the woods is magic, but that that's maybe just me. Um, so what kind of of magical workings do you associate with the spring equinox? You know, um, I, I haven't really done, done this in a long time, but anything with eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like working with eggs would be really powerful this time of year as a symbol of fertility and eternity and um, infinity and, and growth. So again, we're bringing back that idea of birthing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Growing something. So, so working with eggs would be a wonderful, magical opportunity. You can actually do divination with the the egg yolk, um, with the egg. I mean, people do mm-hmm. all sorts of different divination with eggs, but um, there's all different types of of magic you could do with eggs. Um, I know a lot of people bury eggs in their garden. Maybe something mm-hmm, that they put mm-hmm. symbols on um, to bring growth. Um, I like that. I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, or even the eggs, the, the beautiful decorated eggs. Um, yes. Yeah. Because mm. there's, there's symbols. I mean, um, I grew up with the Ukrainian tradition of painting the eggs, which is, is very elaborate. 
And I mean, I've tried to do it before with the wax and putting different symbols in that. It's very, very hard. Um, but that is that in itself is is a magical act. Is 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 decorating these eggs and putting various symbols, sun symbols, and things onto them. Um, you know, and it is a hope for the future too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, and that feels. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say that sounds really relevant right now too. Symbols of hope yes. and protection on a you know a traditional Ukrainian painting. I you know on egg, on eggs that feels very relevant right now. Yeah, Something. maybe yeah. witches may want to try and incorporate into their magic this season something for you know protecting Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. Mm. And and the gorilla gardening, if you use sunflower seeds, that's even though it's not native to Ukraine, it's native to the United States, that is their national flower. Yes. Um, so one of the things I was planning on doing was, you know, sprinkling uh, sunflower seeds everywhere I go. Um, but that's, you know, again, you always do the practical thing in addition to the magical thing. So in addition to sending funds to uh, relief organizations. I am also spreading the sun as it were through sunflowers. Yeah. And you can enchant the seeds too. Mm -hmm. You can mm. fill them with your intentions um, to protect, uh, you know, um, and hopefully bring about peace. And yeah, exactly. The, the magical intention, but as well, I, I would suggest the red cross. It's good. I mean, um, my mother was a refugee from Ukraine. Okay. Right. So I have a very personal connection to it. And I know that, that organizations like the Red Cross really do help refugees. And the it's right now in Europe, it's overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. So any help, uh, you know, is, is, is most welcomed, I'm, you know. It's just, it's over, it's really overwhelming. I, I actually, I have some friends here, pagan friends who have driven uh, to the border at Poland mm -hmm. and mm. Uh, with minivans brought some people back here to Italy. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's a huge, uh, it's a, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. I'll put a list of, of relief organizations that are suggested in the show notes. Um, mm. one of the, one of the organizations I, uh, support every month anyway, I just raised the amount of money that I'm giving them every month is the world central kitchen. Mm -hmm. And that's an endeavor that was started by, uh, chef Andres and, mm. uh, he is a Spaniard, but he has taken his organization on the road. He goes everywhere where there is need and makes sure and, and feeds people right now he's in Poland at the border and he's feeding the refugees as they, as they cross over. Wow. And, uh, he's amazing. He has, uh, he was in Puerto Rico when the, the hurricane hit, he was in Louisiana when the hurricane hit. You're good. I know everybody's like, which hurricane? Well, yeah, okay. There's lots of those now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're more often hitting places. He's been to Haiti. Um, he's he's gone all over the world, and that's what he does. And it's a it's a really good organization. 
And, uh, yeah. So yes. Uh, enchant your seeds with intention, with, uh, hope. Mm -hmm. Hope I think is something, I think that should be the theme for this year. Hope. Mm. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, boy, I'm being really eloquent right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, and be careful what you say on Facebook because they will kick you off of Facebook if you're not careful. I know oh. because I'm in Facebook jail. I have 24 more hours before I'm let out because I said something about the Russian president. So, mm. just, yeah, just, just just be careful about that. Talk about sunflower seeds. It's safer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. and generating hope it's mm -hmm. perfect for the spring equinox and i think that a lot of people feel personally just exhausted from pandemic and now you know the politics of the world and uh climate change and what can we do to make a difference on a personal level and what can we do to uplift ourselves and our friends and our family and, and our community. So well, I think that that's very important is, is because it is overwhelming, but we can do things um, aside from our own self care, caring for our families, caring for our neighbors, you know, caring at a local level, trying mm -hmm. to make a difference that way is, 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 you know, it's a lot easier than to try and take on the entire world. But mm -hmm. I mean, we can, we can help, but I mean, it's also important to look after our, our own, you know, our own communities. And I think that also helps to make a difference, mm. you know, because so. there's a lot of need within our own, our own communities. And if we can see that, then that, that might be the place that we can help the most. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. every little seed that we plant makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's mm -hmm. it's and it, it it pays it forward, right? I mean, mm. you know, and and especially like when when people are coming in, like there's things we can do. I mean, certainly in Europe, um, refugees now are coming into into Italy. Um, there are things that we can do on a local level here, but as refugees come into North America as well, um, mm. there's things we can do to help people, help mm -hmm. people adjust. I mean, like the I. I I don't know that the amount of trauma that people are going through is just, it, it's just so overwhelming. But if we can make a difference in, in you know, a, a handful of people's lives, it, it pays it forward and it, it's planting that seed, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know. Absolutely. Um, and I, I would say in many communities in the United States, we have Ukrainian neighbors anyway. Mm -hmm. reaching out to them, asking about how they're doing, even mm -hmm. though they're not there, they are probably going through a lot of trauma and upset. They have family members there. It's yeah. their country. Yeah. You know, even if mm -hmm. you, even if you aren't living in the United States, if something like that happened to the United States, you'd feel horrible because it is your home. Yeah. So reach, you know, if, if you know someone from Ukraine in your neighborhood, reach out to them. Yeah. Uh, let them know that people care and, yeah. and that there's love because God knows what they've seen on TV. 
Um, if they've turned on, you know, the wrong news channel, my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's so, a lot of just awful crap happening on the news channels. So, you know, reaching out, I, I know in, uh, in my case, I have, uh, I had ordered some Christmas presents from artisans in Ukraine from Etsy. Mm-hmm. And I just reached out to them and said, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, the transaction was completed, but they're people. And I, you know, when I, when I buy presents for people, I tend to buy things that are made by artists and I'm trolling Etsy all the time, just, you know, finding yeah. a new artist and, and wanting to support them. So I, I wrote to the ones both in Ukraine and Russia and asked how they were doing because mm-hmm. there are plenty of Russians who are not doing well either. They're not happy with this. Right. No. And they're, okay. they're in a scary situation too, because, yes. you know, I mean, the things that are going on there, you, you, you know, you can't speak your mind, you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, heaven help you if you're, you're, you know, uh, LGBTQ person or, yeah. you know, in any ways marginally, like, it's just, it's awful. So they're suffering too. Like this should never be about Russian people. No, you know, yeah. it's one Russian person really. Yeah. Right. And right. His, uh, you know, cronies or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't want to see that, you know, like people turning against Russian people in general, because there's so many good Russian people too. And yes. they're not, mm-hmm. they're not behind this. Yeah. No. Um, that's why I, I, I mentioned, you know, that, I've spoken with with just the normal common people from both sides of that and and they say the same thing why is this happening this is not this is this doesn't make any sense this is not what we want we're sister nations this is not no <laughs> you know yeah so i you know just reach out and talk with people i think that's a good thing. And again, you're planting the seed of hope in mm-hmm. people, whether they're your next door neighbors or they're across the world. It doesn't yeah. matter. People are people. It's one of the things I learned when I used to do um, tarot readings publicly. Mm-hmm. When I had a metaphysical bookstore here in town, I used to do tarot readings through the shop. And interestingly, most of the people I read for were international they they weren't american um from some of them i i had some african and asian people come and i said you know why are you coming to me for tarot readings and they said oh well and and you know back home we have we have soothsayers we have fortune tellers it's not looked down on you know that Mm -hmm. that's why we come to you you're you're the local equivalent and uh that made me really happy that I was able to give them a little bit of comfort of home, even if I did it differently. Uh, But what I found out is it didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter how you grew up. It didn't matter what your religion was. Everybody asks the same questions. Everybody has the same concern. Mm -hmm. Am I going to be loved? 
Am I going to get this job? Should I take this job or that job? Should I move here or there? What should I, should I come out to my parents? You know, all of the same little, to to most people, these things seem small if it's somebody else, but as soon as it's you, it's not small and it's a big thing. But it's the same things for everybody, every, everywhere. And Mm -hmm. that really just sort of broke my heart open to, to empathize with everyone because the same fears, the same hopes, everybody has them. Everybody. Yeah, it's true. It is. I mean, it's, you know, like in our very existence, we all, we are all part of the same one of humanity, you know, Mm -hmm. and then part of the greater nature, part Mm -hmm. of this planet. So yeah. we got to be good to each other. And I think if more people realized that we'd be not only better with each other, but we'd be better with our planet, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I think so too. I think, I mean, I think that's at the core of witchcraft is to understand the oneness of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it, the, I'll go back to the eggs um, because the egg is not only a symbol of birth. It's also a symbol of the sun. Mm-hmm. The egg yolk itself is like a miniature sun. And you can do um, sun magic with them. And I, I f- see, I love that. Um, but also in UFO lore, how many UFOs who which aren't flying saucers from, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago were egg shaped. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So many. I, 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 to me that, that says a lot about the symbol of a supposed extraterrestrial vehicle that it mm. comes in the shape of a terrestrial egg. So the egg is a, is not only a, it's a universal symbol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. And it's a, a, a symbol of um, our space sisters and brothers as well. I'm thinking of um, Jack Vallée's book, Trinity and the, uh, the, the crash and, and, and how it seemed like a theater. And I think that if I recall, he um, thought that the shape was like the atomic Mm-hmm. the atomic bomb but i saw it more like a like an egg mm-hmm. like there's something about the life and how perhaps we're we we can harm life through this you know like mm-hmm. the, like there, there's just such powerful symbolism in that particular experience that's discussed in uh, paula harris's and, and jacques valet's book and it's very worthwhile reading it. Um, and if you look at it, if you read it through the eyes of a witch, you can see immediately the symbolic content yes. in there and how it ties to all of these things. But I, I thought of it as the egg and a symbol of life and life in jeopardy because, of course, these these beings that, that were discovered were injured. You mm-hmm. know? And afraid. So, they made sounds afraid. like uh, an injured yeah. rabbit. One of the children who witnessed it said, "Yeah, they they 
it and it really bothered the younger child. He really wanted to go help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also fearful and it was on fire. So, and you know, we're talking about two children. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the older one is kind of like, well, 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 what can we do? Um, Exactly. But yeah, but this is why I love Valet's stuff um, from the UFO standpoint is because he really does whether, and I think he does realize it to a certain extent. He looks at um, these these reports and these these experiences through the eyes of through magical eyes through the eyes mm-hmm. of a, a witch or a mage. You know, we've discussed that before. Yeah. Um, mm. But when you you do when you look at these cases, you see the symbolic content, and the egg definitely does. Um, factor into a lot of them and in, into some of the more medieval stuff as well. Yes. You know, yeah. Where yes. They, these, you know, beings would come out of these egg shaped, you know, uh, I don't want to really call them craft because we don't know what they are, but they were definitely egg shaped. Right. Um, yeah. And they had such an impact on the people that experienced them. There are even stories of acorn shaped. UFO that uh, would would crash, and the acorn again. That's a seed mm-hmm. that is that carries the genetic potential for an entire giant oak tree in it. Mm-hmm. And so you have these very very potent symbols of life here mm-hmm. being used to convey something. And it hasn't been just since the, the Kenneth Arnold sighting. It, it's been going on since long before, you know, people had any idea of, of uh, entities from outer space. These things have been happening all through human history. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that most of what what these shapes are, they are related to things here on earth Uh um giant equilateral triangles um again that's that's geometry right there pyramids uh Uh, jellyfish Uh, jellyfish yes the flying jellies yeah i love the flying jellies could we talk about that for a minute i know it doesn't have much to do with the spring equinox but i constantly have dreams about organic crafts I know this sounds interesting, but it's. I'm so glad you brought it up. So I just, I assume it must be a sign that I have to mention it. Mm-hmm. I always have dreams about these organic crafts, which I guess goes along with an egg in the sky too. But mm-hmm. I always see jellyfish and stingrays. Is that yeah, a, common, a commonplace thing in, in ufology? Yeah, it's not yeah. unheard of. Yeah. Wow. Trevor uh, James Constable uh-huh. wrote about what he called sky creatures or sky critters when he was, you know, being flippant about it. Um, that were like jellyfish, except they lived in the air and they were most often invisible because they emit light. You don't see them during the day because they're emitting light, but you know, the sunlight is so bright. Um, but you see them at night. They're like deep sea fish that have uh, a way to emit light. So that's that's not unheard of. These and books are very well worth reading. Yeah. Wow. What's his name again? Trevor James Constable. 
I, I learned so much when I talked to you both. <laughs> Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, cool. I, cool. I, I, I also <laughs> think that there there's the potential that they're related to the crisis that we're having with our oceans because um, I noted uh, what I had uh, the reporting form for the the CCAN website in Canada um, that for UFOs that we really had this. Uh, rise in these types of, of, of cases of people reporting jellyfish, um, jellyfish UFOs at a time when you were getting a lot of reporting on the, on the giant plastic garbage in the Pacific ocean, um, the Fukushima plant. Uh, so around 2010, 2011 in there, you start seeing a, a real rise in these types of reports at the time when the oceans um, are in crisis and people are becoming more aware of the ocean being in crisis and, and um, ocean levels, you know, raising the, the Arctic melting, the, you know, the temperatures of the ocean increasing. And the more that humans collectively become aware of these things, the more I think that we're seeing these paralleled in the sky, you know, so above, as, as above, so below. Mm -hmm. And I think that there might be a connection in there as well, that, mm -hmm. um, that this literally could be a cry from the ocean itself. Um, that is expressing itself in the sky. And that's just a theory, but being a, a witch and, and being, you know, so close with nature, um, being an integral part of my spirituality, I, I cannot ignore that potential as a connection that, you know, that, that the planet itself may be playing a part in these experiences. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you might also want to look into the work of uh, Krista Alexander. She did the short film Lights in the Sky. It's available on Amazon. It's like 3 or $4 to rent. It's, it's not a lot of money. She talks about Trevor James Constable. Um, but she also has films or, well, okay, videos of lights in the sky that she has taken and then enhanced so that you can see better what's going on. And they really do look like living things. Mm -hmm. And there's, I will say that the first 20, 25 minutes of it is so convincing. I mean, my husband is not a skeptic in the sense that he thinks it's all nonsense, right? Is he lives with me. So he can't possibly. <laughs> yeah. And he's finally, because he lives with me, seen a few things. And he's experienced a fair number of things. Um, but most of the time, if I'm watching a UFO documentary, unless it's got Jacques Vallée talking, he will not sit and watch it. Mm -hmm. He will poke his head into the room, see what's going on. And then somebody will say something nonsensical and he'll... <laughs> He'll just leave. It's like, oh, God, you're listening to that again. Blah. You know, and away he goes. Well, I watched this and I said, you've got to sit down and, you know, you don't have to watch the whole thing. But I want you to watch where she works with the videos and I want you to see what she's what she's catching. So he sat and he watched it and he said, all right, that is the most convincing film I have ever seen of the things that you see 
he said that that is the most convincing. And she is convinced that they are alive in oh, some wow. way, that they are not craft, uh-huh. that they are living light. Uh-huh. They are a plasmoid or something like uh-huh. that. That is a form of life that is trying to communicate with us. Yes. But what it's trying to communicate, she doesn't know. She's very interesting. I We interviewed her a few months back. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes because she's a really interesting person mm-hmm. to talk with. And if you look at the videos that she and some of the people in her little community on Facebook have been posting, there is a lot of stuff that looks kind of jellyfish like up in the, up mm-hmm. in the sky. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff. And if you think also of the shape of the jellyfish, of the mantle of it, the, the round part, mm-hmm. that's very like what Carl Jung pointed out about UFOs is the mandala shape. Mm-hmm. Wow. That they are circular and that shape, that artistic shape is used to express wholeness. Yes. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's used to express the wholeness of the universe. And if you look at the designs on a jellyfish and then you look at traditional mandalas, boy, they, they look a lot alike. So there's something. (laughs) There's connection there. Yeah. You know, first of all, I'm always inspired when I talk to the two of you. So thank you. That that blows my mind. And now I feel inspired. As soon as I get back, my spring equinox celebration is going to be at the coast because I live on an island and I'm right by mm-hmm. the beach. So I will certainly be out at the ocean. Uh, and, and, and to tie it into um, Krista Alexander's work and what are they trying to communicate with us? Perhaps that's where witches and uh, divination practitioners, that's where they can come uh-huh. in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. we, we can possibly be the, the, the people that try and decipher what, what, is, the, what is the message. Mm-hmm. So perhaps yes. that will be my work this spring equinox. That's what a good idea. That's amazing. Hi, creatures. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very planting cool. seeds of hope, communicating with sky sky critters. I still love that one yep. because we're on from Appalachia. Yeah. <laughs> um, eggs. I I I love eggs anyway. I, I like to eat them. They're very tasty. Um and I love chickens. They're very um friendly creatures if you if you raise them well. Mm-hmm. And uh when I was in a coven here in, in Athens with my husband, we did an egg ritual where we decorated eggs and then we drew, we, we colored them and then we boiled eggs. So we colored them and then we drew symbols on them for what we wanted mm-hmm. in the coming year. And then we ate, the, we did a ritual, empowered them, enchanted them, and then we ate them. Mm-hmm. Except my husband hates boiled eggs. Oh. So <laughs> I, w- I was going to, I told him I'd eat it for him. So whatever he wanted for me, I would eat eat it for him, you know, or I'll, I'll blow on you, blow air on you. And he was like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I don't, I don't care. It's fine. I'll, I'll just draw things for you. I'll just, we'll just, it'll be cool. And I said, okay. So 
you know, we did the thing, we, we empowered it, you know, raised energy, put it into the eggs. And it was now as the, instead of cakes and ale, we had eggs and water. And so, you know, he, he cracks the egg and, uh, you know, is peeling off the bits and he starts feeling the egg once he's got it, you know, shelled, the shell's gone. And so he's poking it. He's like, it feels so neat. <laughs> and so he's poking it and he's squeezing it and he's looking at it and he's, you know, sticking his finger at it. He was like, it feels really neat. That texture is really interesting. I'm like, you could eat it, you know. And he, oh, no, no, not gonna. He's like, but I've never held a whole one in my hand that, that was, you know, I'd already eaten mine. And I was like, look, dude, you are sitting there poking and prodding something that I am going to eat. I was like, I know your hands aren't filthy or anything, but dude, <laughs> it's <just> weird. <laughs> so every time I think of boiled eggs, I think of him, you know, whoa, this is really neat. And I was also like, you're Jewish Passover. Y'all have like boiled eggs as part of the, the Passover plate. Wait, didn't you ever touch? He was like, no, I never touched it. <laughs> Okay. Strange people. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> uh and, and I ate it and it was good. But every time I think of, of boiled eggs and decorating eggs, I always think of that. Uh so I had to bring the levity to the uh conversation because we've gotten kind of deep, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to had to bring that up. Uh though I think you know, it's interesting. Eggs and seeds kind of have similar shapes. If you, I mean, if you're a gardener and you've seen lots of different kinds of seeds, mm -hmm. they do have a similar shape and uh, flower bulbs, um, corms and bulbs have a similar shape to eggs. I'd never really thought about it. Um, but uh, you know, you, you plant bulbs with the fat end down and the pointy end up because that's, that's where the sprout's going to come out. Wow. Uh, so I just realized that you do the same thing with acorns. You, you plant them with the cup side down and the, the pointed part of the acorn that we think of as the bottom up. Mm. Although with acorns, I will say they will sprout no matter which direction you put them in. And same with um, bulbs. They will just, you know, you can't really screw those up. They will sprout in whatever direction and then move up towards the sun. Which is another thing. Mm -hmm. The ground warms. Ooh. Because the sun hits it. And that's what signals... Mm -hmm a lot of the deeper planted things to grow is the warmth of the ground itself, because of course it's dark and it's not until you get closer to the surface that you can actually quote unquote, see the sun. I think it's actually warmth though. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I was pondering that I love how eggs and seeds are both nutritional right? Like uh, yes, that, mm -hmm. that little powerful egg. And I call myself a flexitarian. I mostly practice veganism, but God, a good 
egg every now and then. Oh, it's so there's so much nutrition in it. Um, and the same with seeds for uh, folks who don't eat eggs, um, mm-hmm. you know, including your husband, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, even sunflower seeds, those are these, they're, they're packed with so much nutrition and they're just such a nice crunch on a salad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's really, it's in a way enchanting how these these life givers also allow us to continue living. They offer sustenance um, mm-hmm. and could be very comforting too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I the thing about well, acorns are are uh, nutritious too, but you have to do a bunch of things to them to make them edible. Uh, but it is interesting to me that. Within a tiny seed, the complete genetic profile of a full-grown plant exists. Mm-hmm. That the potential is in there. Um, I just recently started sprouting seeds to eat the sprouts. Mm. My favorite is broccoli because I can get... Um, people to eat broccoli who don't like broccoli if they eat broccoli sprouts um, because they taste sweeter. They still taste like broccoli to me, but they taste a little sweeter. They haven't had a chance to, to get the, um, the essential oil hasn't developed that, that makes broccoli bitter. And what's interesting is I found out that the percentage of nutrients in the sprouts is higher than it is in the fully grown plant. And that's because you have all of this water in the fully grown plant that is not in the sprout. So if you take X amount of fully grown broccoli, say an ounce of it, and an ounce of broccoli sprouts, you actually have a higher nutrition profile in the sprouts than you do in the fully grown plant. So that's something to think about. Um, and sunflower sprouts are really, really good, by the way. I, I love those. But broccoli's still my favorite. Um, but yeah, and that's easy to do. And you can do it in your window. You can do it. Um, I can put links to various systems and instructions on how to do that. And you can have really fresh sprouts to either put in your stir fry or in your salad and it's really cheap that sounds like fun really (laughs) good for you it's really really good for you you bring up another great thing i associate with the spring equinox it's eating your greens so oh yeah all of those little arugula and and your kale and, and green onions all of these things are available in our gardens very early on yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love arugula. Oh, <laughs> good arugula. I love yeah. talking about food. So I could go down that. Oh, no pun intended. I could go down that rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> very easily. But, but uh, you know, those greens, those spring greens, having those greens available again after, a, you know, I think maybe we don't have this now. We live in a world with whole foods and grocery stores and shipping food from places where, you know, things are growing year round. Um, But perhaps even just 
you know, a few generations ago, I'm sure the sight of, of dandelions and, you know, spring onions was quite a, a, a treat after maybe running low in the pantry. Oh, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to, to gather your herbs fresh and, oh, you know, yeah. after the long winter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know my grandmother had leaf lettuce in a cold frame and kale in a cold frame. And when it sprouted up new in the spring, it, it was always wonderful. And, mm. and we ate those and we ate baby dandelion greens. Yeah. Um, don't pick them once they're mature though. They're so bitter. Yeah. Just don't do that to yourself. You'll never like dandelion greens after that. Um, chickweed. We even would eat chickweed sometimes. Um, and wood sorrel. Those are all wonderful. And, uh, you know, in Appalachia, you used to eat those greens either cooked or raw or made into like a tonic where you boiled them and then drank the, the juice. And you always drank the juice of any kind of green that you cooked. They called that pot wow. liquor. Um, and you really? always drank that. That's where all the vitamins really are. If you, if you boil green Southern style um, with a piece of ham or a piece of bacon and you boil it down until they're dark green and softened, mm. um, which is delicious. You have to drink the, the juice that's in there. Because that's no. where all of the greens, all, all of the vitamins have gone. They're water soluble. And some grandmothers used to save the, the juice that people didn't eat out of that and keep it as a tonic. So, oh. Wow, you yeah. taught this Yankee yeah. something new. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, you you, you got to have the pot liquor or you're not getting all your vitamins from the greens. So I always drank it because I always thought it tasted good. Oh, I mean, of course. It, I mean, if you cook it with yeah. bacon, how could it not? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's some, you know, if there's jowl bacon or a ham hock in there, of course oh. it's going to be tasty. Mm -hmm. How can it not be? Um, but yeah, that's why you, you have cornbread with it, beans and greens, and you've got like a complete nutritional meal. And, and for kitchen witches, that's a meal of mm -hmm. abundance. And, oh, and yeah. conjuring yeah. just uh, whatever you need to grow in your life, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Beans I'm are hungry seeds. now. I know. Yeah, right? me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Beans are seeds and so is corn. So, mm. yeah. And then greens are delicious leaves. Oh, and ramps. That's another thing for Appalachian people. Um, near the end of this month, beginning of next month, the wild garlic that we call ramps will be coming up in the woods. And they are delicious. They do smell a lot. And this, the essential oil of them will come out in your sweat or in your, on your breath. And, and that's not good. So you have to eat them around other people who eat them. <laughs> and then you, don't then you don't notice that everybody smells. 
Um, but they don't are eat delicious. it before date night. <laughs> no, unless you have someone else, you're going on a date with somebody else who likes them. Mm. But they are really, really good, and they are extremely, extremely nutritive. Um, you eat both the the stem down to the roots and the leaf, and they're very, very good. You can eat them raw. You can put them in salads. I like them in uh, spaghetti sauces and stir fries. And I've also used it in kimchi when I've made kimchi in the spring. Because my nice. my feeling is, is if Korean grandmas had it in, in their mountains, they would use it. So I, that's how I do it. And it's really, it's it's like bringing the springtime, the energy of spring into yourself, into mm-hmm. your body. Oh. Which is, is, is so wonderful, especially in the kimchi is the delivery system. You know? <laughs> I, just, oh, yeah. I love kimchi. I, I still have to try to make it here in Italy, but that's, that's another, another thing. But yeah, I just, I, all this, all this talk of the, the food and then I'm, I'm just envisioning, you know, bringing spring into the body, into your body mm-hmm. and being so grateful for that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- I feel like witches should talk about food because it is a very sensual mm-hmm. path. You know, our bodies aren't shameful or troublesome in, in witchcraft. Our bodies mm-hmm. are to be celebrated. And if you celebrate, then, you know, you should eat good food. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be a chef, so of course I'm going to be fixated on food. But, um, yeah, that's, I feel like witches and, and pagans and mm-hmm. mystics of all sorts should understand that what we eat is what we are. Mm-hmm. So eating as well as possible is bringing the earth into our bodies and making our bodies out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said earlier too about enchanting the egg and then consuming it. So mm-hmm. you you can enchant. And it makes me think of grace. You know, um, yeah, we, mm-hmm. we put our blessings and our energy into the food before we consume it. It's it could be a magical experience in itself. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm I am thoroughly of the belief that cooking is a magical uh, work if you do it with love mm. and with care. Um, you know, I, I, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. Um, one set of grandparents were farmers and the other set came from a background of being butchers. So of course food was everywhere in, in my childhood, but we didn't have, you know, a fancy food really. It was simple. You know, we grew up in Appalachia. Um, the, the butchers had come from a Germanic background. So we had German type food. So it was a little bit different than what everybody else around us was eating. Uh, But the other grandparents, it was straight up Appalachian. And it was so wonderful, even though it was simple, you know, they, they didn't use every herb in the, in the cabinet and garlic sometimes was considered exotic. Um, But you know, we ate ramps. So, you know, that's stronger than garlic, I think. But onions were in everything. And and very simple 
seasonings, but everything tasted so good because it was cooked with love. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And I believe that if you cook with love, that love goes into the other person. It's a very intimate act mm-hmm. when they eat it. That energy that you have put into it goes into them, which is why it's really important to me to not be in a bad mood when I cook. So, Or rushed. <laughs> yeah. Rushed, I can do rushed, but bad mood, oh, you're good. Yeah, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> that just doesn't help. Yeah, when I'm rushed, I'm in a bad mood. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Well, I used to work at a restaurant, so rushed I can do. It doesn't doesn't Mm. bother me. Um, That is a talent. Yeah, Actually, it's it's more a discipline, really. Yeah, there is a talent to to cooking, but for doing it in a restaurant, it's, it's as much almost military discipline as anything. And the ability to multitask and keep your brain in like three different, four different places at once and running very quickly. Mm. Every cook I know is addicted to caffeine. So. (laughs) (laughs) And other things too, probably. No, definitely. (laughs) Um, So anything else, ladies? We have been going for a good long time. It is always just such a pleasure to talk to the two of you. It's so inspiring and it brings me right back into that, that magical place of, you know, I'm ready to go out and do some magic. And um, I'm so thankful for that. And and I hope that, that the listeners feel equally as inspired maybe to, you know, find magic with food or, or edible weeds or gorilla gardening or working with eggs or communicating with, with the sky critters, however they, yeah. they see yeah. it. I, my hope is that everybody goes out to contemplate hope this spring equinox and how they could grow that in their lives and their community's lives. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't <laughs> have said that better. I was about to say the exact same thing. That was wonderful, Kiki. I, I, I agree with you completely. And, uh, and yeah, just going forward, uh, hope and, and peace. You know, I think that's, you know, the, the most important things. And, and, and springtime is definitely a time for hope. So Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, ladies, for being here. I I can't add anything after you two. That that was that was a beautiful ending. So I'm just gonna say thank you for coming and talking with me. I love talking with both of you. It's so much fun. And I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Feelings mutual. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.